Thank you for listening to The New Norm. I'm Frank Caramano. I'm jumping back in because um, I want to do essentially a quarterly review um, of the season. And, you know, obviously I know we're at the we're through five games here, <laughs> really four because we tied a game. So it technically doesn't count towards our record. But um, I wanted to wait until after this game because this was going to be essentially up there with the Rams as uh, an indication to what this team actually was. So it would have been a little bit unfair to judge them after, you know, a game where they played a team like San Francisco, who, by the way, got beat by about 95 points today by uh, or last night by um, the Miami Dolphins. So this essentially will be a quarterly state of the Eagles address. Um, I'm going to go over each position. And we're going to talk about since what happened at the Super Bowl in 2017, since that 2017-2018 season, what has happened position by position and have the Eagles progressed, stayed stagnant, or, you know, more than likely regressed. Now, the first thing is here, I do also want to address a little bit of a cleanup too from yesterday, um, the, 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 uh, the play that decided the game, the Chase Claypool, um, you know, touchdown where Roethlisberger looked like it was Nathan Gary. And I have to hear today that, oh, well, 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 the Eagles were in quarters coverage, which essentially is a zone, which is a prevent zone, mind you, where essentially you're dropping, you know, four guys to one level and then your safety's supposed to come over and fill the middle. Regardless, it was a god-awful, god-awful defensive call. Because, again, it's just, like I said, that passive-ass bitch defense. That's what that is. That's exactly what that is. And it doesn't fly anymore. I still, I woke up today feeling the exact same way as I did yesterday. I believe Jim Schwartz needs to be relieved of his duties. I, I just don't see him adjusting. He refuses to make adjustments. You know, we watched that game yesterday. And, and again, what happened in that game? So, I, like I said, it's the, the same story. Um, the Steelers, by the way... I heard, do not do these end arounds and reverses. Again, I've seen the Steelers play this year, um, and, and I noticed in the in the games that I have seen them play, they weren't running these reverses, but they did them a lot yesterday because, again, the playbook's open here. Any team that studies the Eagles knows that, hey, guess what they do? They do not uh, have any defensive discipline. Their ends collapse and their linebackers can't fill, so reverses and misdirections and play-action rollouts will work over and over and over again. And let me ask you this. Are the Eagles the only team in the NFL that can't stop it? It seemingly seems that way, right? So my thing would be, if they're the only team that can't stop it, that tells me that it's all about the coach. It's all about the coaching. I know he wants to run this wide nine, this wide nine defense, where our defensive line is going to get to the quarterback. But when they don't, just to have a spoiler here, it ain't going to be too good because our linebackers suck and everybody besides Darius Slay and Rodney McLeod and our secondary completely sucks too. So that's what you get with Jim Schwartz. That's what you get with his defensive philosophies. His his willingness or unwillingness, I, I apologize, to not take guys out of the game when they absolutely suck at their job, like a Nathan Gary, like a Duke Riley, like a Jalen Mills. That's the problem with Jim Schwartz. That's why I want Jim Schwartz fired. Do I think Jim Schwartz understands football? I absolutely do. I think he he's a very smart football uh, mind. 
Does that mean he knows how to coach defense in this era? Clearly not, because he doesn't. His his style is antiquated. He won't adjust. He refuses to make adjustments. And again, I know he's going to come out tomorrow in his press conference and take the Otis and take the blame and eat it all. He's going to eat it. He's going to say, guys, this was my fault. I put player X in a bad position. Guys, come on. Nathan Gary, when targeted by def- um, opposing quarterbacks this year, he hasn't even forced one incompletion yet this season. We're five games through. He has no reason to play. By the way, Davion Taylor, the kid that picked in the third round, the linebacker, he's the only guy, the only linebacker picked in the first three rounds of the NFL draft that has not seen one defensive snap this season. And you know why I had to hear that? It's because he's not ready to play. Well, guess like I said, when we've been seeing, and all of us fans are being uh, you know, forced to watch, Nathan Gary, Duke Riley, not ready to play either. It's not good. It's just not good. And the Jalen Mills thing, by the way, remember, the Eagles signed him this year to be a safety because he was absolutely god-awful as a cornerback. So when you put him back at cornerback last week, whatever. It was a quick one-week fix if that's what you wanted to do. But the fact that this team did not feel it was necessary to try to get Graylon Arnold or Elijah Riley or Roby Coleman or Cravon LeBlanc or Craig James ready to play that other corner, uh, cornerback position. And by the way, uh, yeah, guess what? Rasul Douglas, he's exce- uh, excelling, like we said, in Carolina. Sidney Jones had like a, a career day for the Jaguars yesterday. And again, this has to do with scheme. Those guys did suck as Eagles. Don't get me wrong. Douglas was constantly beat over the top. And and Jones, obviously, he just couldn't stay healthy. You never really even know what you had with him. I know he played pretty well to end the last uh end last season with the, you know, the five random plays that he got to go in for. And that was great and all. But Jones was more health. Douglas was more scheme. The coach never coached to their strengths. And here we are. And here we are. We have a, a guy at cornerback who can't play cornerback, who barely could play safety, playing at cornerback, and Ben Roethlisberger picked his ass apart. So let's just go over it. Let's go over the state of the Eagles through five games here. Let's see, where are we at? Let's start with the quarterback, right? We're going to go offense, then defense. So let's just start right at the top. Let's start with the quarterbacks, right? So have the quarterbacks progressed, stayed stagnant, or regressed? And that's pretty easy. They've regressed specifically Carson Wentz. Yes, Nate Sudfeld has regressed as well, and Jalen Hurts, the book's out. So Carson Wentz has massively regressed. It's literally come to the point where we're celebrating yesterday's performance. Like, think about this. We are at this point now with Carson Wentz where people were hanging their hat yesterday on him playing a average football game. Was Carson Wentz better than he had been all season yesterday? Of course he was. But my God, of course I'm hoping that we were going to see some improvements because he was playing statistically the worst football anybody may have ever played in the history of the league for the first four weeks of the year. So yeah, he was a little improved yesterday. And I get it. His throws to Travis Fulgham and Greg Ward, they looked pretty good because you know why he throws to them with confidence. But Again, he still can't hit Sanders clean on a on an angle route. He can't hit him in the flat. He couldn't hit Ertz, and I get it. Ertz stinks, and I and I'll get more. We'll talk more about him in a little bit. But regardless, it seems to me like if you watched Ben Roethlisberger, we'll just cue into yesterday's game. Those little rub routes where. You know, for instance, the third and shorts that they just beat the Eagles, by the way, because Jim Schwartz refused to make any adjustments on that, where they would just have a stacked formation, essentially have the wide receivers run as decoys to, you know, block out the cornerbacks and then get the first downs. Well, if you ever notice too, Roethlisberger puts those throws right where they need to be so the receivers are always going forward. 
That's accuracy. It's not always that, hey, you know, you threw it and the guy caught it. That means it was an accurate pass. Sometimes you throw it and the guy catches it, but it's so inaccurate that you have to stop the guy's forward motion and he ends up not getting the yardage that he's supposed to because the throw was inaccurate. Yes, it was a completion, but no, it was not an accurate pass. And that's the thing that's happened with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has clearly regressed from 2017. It it goes without saying. Everybody knows that. We all know it. We're trying to figure out how do we fix him. And, it, and, and you know, now the new hope is that Travis Fulgham will help fix Carson Wentz. And again, I'm with you. I, I'm praying that it does happen. Maybe it, it restores some confidence in him. But Carson Wentz has massively regressed. And again, it's not just on Carson Wentz. I think the player himself has to help in this situation. But listen, this obviously goes down to his head coach and his um, quarterback's coach, uh in every essential offensive mind in that building. They got about 47 of them, and nobody could figure out how to you know, get the maximum abilities out of Carson Wentz. And more or less, they can't figure out why Carson Wentz has become so wildly inaccurate. Carson Wentz has massively regressed. So that lands on him, and it also, like I said, lands on the coaches, and it does land on the general manager for the talent that you're help putting around the guy. Again, if it's going to... It's an ultimate team sport. I don't care if he's Joe Montana. If you don't have talent around him, you're still not going to win. Like, look at Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. The Packers have one title. Drew Brees is a great quarterback. The Saints have one title. It's hard to win championships in the NFL. I mean, that's the, the breaking news. Winning Super Bowls isn't easy. But again, you need to help the quarterback. And, and this team, since we won the Super Bowl, has done absolutely nothing close to help him. In fact, they've made him completely, um, you know, almost broke him completely here. He's become massively, massively worse. He, he, we're now at the point where we're debating if he's the future of the team. I mean, remember, after that great year, we thought this guy was the future of the league. We don't know if he's on the future of this team. Running backs. So what's happened since 2017? Has the running back position progressed, stayed stagnant, or regressed? And it's regressed. It has regressed. And I know people will say, well, Miles Sanders is clearly the best running back they've had. And I agree with you. The talent Miles Sanders has, it, it jumps off the page. He can do everything. He's a great pass catcher. He's a great uh, blitz pickupper. I mean, really, he's a great blocker. I mean, really, he is very good at finding ways to pick up blitzes. He is also a fantastic running back in terms of once you get him in space, he's really good at capitalizing and getting the most out of every play. But the thing is this, who's behind him? Because Boston Scott has just fallen off the uh, the face of the earth this year. Boston Scott has, like, again, we thought we had a little bit of a, maybe a new version of our Darren Sproles and Boston Scott. My goodness, Boston Scott just looks completely lost. He, he First of all, as a kick returner, he's horrible. And then second of all, as an offensive weapon. And here's the thing. When Boston Scott was used at his best last year, it was when we would get him in space. He was really good in the screen game. Well, because of the 94 injuries to the offensive line, the screen game has become non-existent because the guards are just not athletic enough to run consistent screens. We can't do it. So how do you get him in space? You got to figure out other ways to get him in space. And again, that does fall on the coaches. They're not utilizing the player to his maximum ability because again, they're putting him in positions to fail. And Corey Clement, I have no earthly idea what has happened to Corey Clement. Corey Clement completely whiffed on a block yesterday. It caused Carson Wentz to take a sack. It's just like the guy we saw in that suit. He was incredible the year we won the Super Bowl. His his game in the Super Bowl will be something I never forget. But that Corey Clement seems like he's long gone. So right now, it's just a one-man show at running back. So yes, the Eagles have absolutely regressed from the LeGarrette Blunt, uh, Jay Ajayi, you know, Corey Clement trio 
to what they have now because Corey Clement is one half the player he was and I get it Miles Sanders is great but my goodness we don't have any type of identity at that position besides hoping Miles Sanders busts a 74 yard run and again it also does have to play with the offensive line again they are not playing with a, a stacked offensive line this is not you know two years ago if Peters you know Ciamalo or Wisniewski uh, Kelsey Brooks and Johnson I mean, yesterday, I mean, people got mad that we stopped running the ball. I mean, but here's the truth. Besides Sanders' big one run, we had 10 carries for six yards for him. There were no running lanes because, again, we're playing with Nate Herbig, who's all right, but Matt Pryor is completely out of out of place as a guard. He's just not he's not an NFL starting guard. That's a that's not a spoiler. That's a or a, an opinion. That's a fact. Uh, you're, you're looking at the tackles. You look at Jack Driscoll, who had a play yesterday. He's a rookie. You're looking at Jordan Mailata. He's essentially a rookie. The running backs aren't being helped by the offensive line injuries. I get that. I completely understand that. But overall, the position seems to be regressing. Then, let's go on. Wide receivers. This is an absolute massive regression. It is a massive regression. Here's the thing. Travis Fulgham and Greg Ward, they were both undrafted. Obviously, Ward was an undrafted free agent who we cut about 10,000 times. Fulgham was an undrafted, uh, well, he was drafted, but we picked him up off waivers uh, when the Packers cut him this uh, preseason. And, and again, lucky, these are two lucky things. Like, I get it. I mean, you can't be sitting here going, man, we're going to find some stars on the waiver wire. That generally isn't how it happens. I get it. There are people that fall through the cracks. And luckily for the Eagles, they got two guys here, which is almost impossible. They got two guys. But that's the only two successes the Eagles have found at that position since Super Bowl 52. In fact, let's just look at it. The Since, that, since the Super Bowl ended, the Eagles paid Jeffrey, and he's been consistently hurt. That contract is killing the Eagles, right? Then they paid Deshaun after they traded for him, and he's legit only been hurt. I mean, really, he had one game last year. This year, he played a couple games, and he was playing sparingly because they were trying to, you know, what was it? It was like almost load management. We want to make sure Deshaun is there for the long haul. Well, guess what? His hamstring hurt because he continually comes popping up now with these soft tissue injuries. So Deshaun has been a complete bust. Then you look at the... um. Uh, let's just go back to that team, the super, the team that won the Super Bowl, Nelson Aguilar, who I know he's having some, you know, shot plays here in in or um, Las Vegas, and you know he's got a couple touchdowns this year, and and that's all well and good for Nelson Aguilar, but as an Eagle, he was horrible his last two years. The year, like we won the Super Bowl, and everybody thought that's Aguilar. He found it. He found it. We got a guy in there. We got this guy, and I remember the first two games of the 2018 season. There, there was talk about Aguilar just elevating to a Pro Bowler, and then from there forward, it seems like he fell off a cliff. He went right down to the point that he made nine million dollars last year, and he's making nine hundred thousand dollars this year. That's what happened. And, and by the way, this isn't all players' fault. Again. Like we said, the quarterback regressed. So clearly the receivers are going to regress. If the quarterback isn't as accurate as he was or isn't as good as he was, the opportunities for the receivers is going to massively go down. Now, here's another thing. Our wide receivers coaches have absolutely sucked since then. Carson Walsh, he was a freaking object failure or an abject failure that to the levels I can't even fathom. And here's the thing with Aaron Moorhead, the guy we have now, he really didn't even have an off season with these guys to try to, you know, develop the talent that we did have. So moving forward. Aguilar was regressed, obviously. He's not even on the team. Um, Mike Wallace, he never got a chance. He got hurt. These are the moves, by the way. I'm just saying the moves that the Eagles brought in at that position to try to fix it. Marquise Goodwin here, he opted out, so we don't even know what would have happened with him. John Hightower, um, he don't got it. Fifth round pick. I'm sorry, he don't got it. Can't track the ball. 
Couldn't high point that ball on that pass yesterday. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I get it. Oh, he's a rookie. He'll get better. He'll get better. He'll figure it out. He'll he'll be all right. Guys, come on. Let's open our eyes here. I'm watching Darius Slayton yesterday. He's a fifth-round pick. That guy looks like he knows how to find the ball. John Hightower catches that ball at the end of the first half. Doesn't have the... the, the all I had to hear, by the way, in the offseason was... His football IQ is incredible. Well, I watch him play on Sundays, and his football football IQ is unbelievably horrible. He is one of the worst football IQs I've ever seen on anybody. When he caught that ball yesterday and didn't have the, the common sense to walk out of bounds and preserve a timeout, instead trying to go upfield. And by the way, he got no yards doing that. Because he, he, you could tell in his head when he caught it, he thought, okay, I should go out of, out of bounds. And then he's like, wait, 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 maybe I can get some yards. Oh, wait, wait. No. Like, dude, you have to think that hard? Go out of bounds. We're trying to save clock. And by the way, if he went out of bounds, we would have had the three points. And guess what that three points would have had? We would have had the lead there, by the way, when Elliott was kicking that field goal. And I don't know if at that point you do kick the field goal. But regardless, it's all hypotheticals. We don't know what would have happened after that from that point in the game. But the point being there is we would have scored points at the end of that half if we had an extra timeout. Um who else now? J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. I mean, again, he's going to be compared to D.K. Metcalf for the rest of his life, and rightfully so. And again, it's not just his fault that he's compared to D.K. Metcalf. One, he's been horrible. He's just not an elite athlete. I mean, that's just a... Here's the thing. It's like the Eagles almost got scared that D.K. Metcalf was going to be Doriel Green-Beckham. They got scared because he was too good of an athlete, and he didn't have the numbers at Mississippi that warranted him being picked in the second round, which is completely ridiculous. I get it. Listen, I am a fan of college production. I think if you produce in college, that's usually a generally a good sign that you're going to produce in the NFL. I am not a fan of these guys who just completely had nothing in college. But my thing was, uh, and again, I get it that they shifted their draft mentality from one year to the next because they picked Jalen Rager, who had no production essentially last season because his quarterback play was horrible. And it seems to me like they made that pick because they saw that T.K. Metcalf is going to tear this league up for the next decade, and they passed on him to pick a guy who was an, a non-athlete, really. No offense to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and again, it's not his fault that the Eagles picked him where they picked him. He didn't ask the team to pick him where they picked him. They did it. But, he, I mean, they picked him hoping he'd be Alshon Jeffrey? Like, that that's that's not how you draft. I know you wanted to get a big physical receiver who can make contested catches, and it seems like you might have got one now by accident in Travis Fulgham. It seems to me like Travis Fulgham has turned into everything you wanted J.J. Ortega-Whiteside to be. But the problem was you had a misevaluation, and you could have had a, a Travis Fulgham and now a D.K. Metcalf. And, and you know what's funny? If you pick, let's just say, a D.K. Metcalf, like you did last year instead of J.J., and, and that has now worked out at that position— Maybe this time in the 21st overall pick of the draft, you're not picking Jalen Rager. Maybe at that point, you're picking Patrick Queen, right? Or, or, or Murray. You're picking a linebacker, possibly. You could actually fill another need that you have. And, and by doing that, you know what that does? That makes your team better because our linebacker play is horrible. But when you consistently whiff at wide receivers, you're, you're just picking a position not because it's you know best player on the board. It's because it's a positional need. And that's not how you fix positions. That's not how you make your team better. But let's and then Jalen Rager. Now he's a huge question mark, right? Because he's been hurt, so you don't even know really what you got. I know he caught the fifty-five yarder. I know that you know he was making some contested catches against uh, um, the Rams, and then he got hurt. But remember, he's also small. He's not even six feet tall. He's like a mini mini Julio Jones. What the hell are you talking about? He's a mini Julio Jones in, in training camp? Shit, I hope to God he looks like Julio Jones against our cornerbacks in training camp. 
I mean, I have to hear every year how good J.J. Ortega-Whiteside looks against our cornerbacks in, in training camp. That should have been sign number one right there. I should have knew right then and there when I heard, man, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and John Hightower are tearing it up. Deontay Burnett, they're tearing it up in training camp. I should have knew right then and there, man, our secondary must be God-effing awful because those guys are tearing it up. And guess what? It's translated because our secondary is God-effing awful. It is awful. We are in bad shape there. So, really, when you look at the wide receiver position, clearly from that Super Bowl where we had Jeffrey, he was high point in catches. It looked like Carson Wentz and him. He threw the ball confidently to him. Torrey Smith, Nelson Aguilar playing at his all-time best. It's been whoosh! Right down the water. Right down the hill, man. It's like a waterfall of a drop-off for the Eagles since then. Now, here's another thing, by the way. When Jeffrey Jackson and Rager come back, I don't care. Travis Fulgham stays in. And now here's the thing with Jeffrey. He might be back for next game. Well, too bad, bud. Listen, and everybody who listens to this knows I'm a supporter of Alshon Jeffrey. And I'm not saying Alshon Jeffrey shouldn't get on the field. Because John Hightower stinks at football. He, He definitely shouldn't be on the football field. And Deshaun Jackson is... He's going to come back and they're going to put him out there because, I mean, they have to because they're paying him so much money. But it's like, you know, for a second, he is, his reliability is about if what's worse than negative infinity. I, 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 every time he steps on the field, I'm anticipating that his, you know, hamstring or his quad or his wrist or his rib or his neck or his shoulder or his something is going to come up where he has to come out. He has to miss some plays because he just can't stay healthy. And I don't get it. He never had an injury problem. He comes here. He's got a huge injury problem. So yeah, getting these guys back isn't a big deal. And again, they're going to play. But I'm just saying, when this team somehow, if by the stroke of luck of a miracle, come the time Jalen Rager's removed from IR, they have a, what, a full complement of wide receivers. Travis Fulgham is staying on the field. Let me tell you this. If you want to see somebody who, like, answers or in-season firings what happened, I'd have to ask if if this happens where we have our full complement of receivers and Travis Fulgham is getting no snaps, kind of like what they've done to Greg Ward sometimes, uh, then we have a huge problem here. We have a huge, 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 huge problem with the coach, who by the way is already a huge problem and I'll dive into him later. Now, in regards to the offense line, have we progressed, stayed stagnant, or regressed? Um, spoiler, guess what, or uh, I'm sorry, I won't talk about the offense line, I skipped a position. I can't believe I skipped this position. Tight end. Tight end. I will use tight end in terms of two ways. They've progressed one way and regression to a nuclear level another way. I believe Dallas Goddard has gotten better each season. Like I said, I believe Dallas Goddard has the most talent of any tight end on that team. And again, I would say this about Ertz. He is a better version of Ertz because he could block. He's not a little bitch. He's not afraid to get hit. Like Zach Ertz is. He's afraid to get hit. He can't handle contact. Zach Ertz is a tight end, right? He's a tight end. He gets bumped off routes by by, by a guy like Steven Nelson yesterday. Come on. Really, what are we doing here? What are we doing with Zach Ertz? He can't block worth the shit, but he's supposed to be a tight end, right? So essentially, he's a wide receiver. And guess what? His athleticism is clearly dipping. And if he can't get off of uh, jams from Steven Nelson, then man, we need to ship his ass off very quickly. They better... Dr- this team needs draft picks. We're, we're looking for an infusion of youth here. He ain't helping the Eagles this year, Zach Ertz. It's over. He wants to piss and cry about his contract because, oh, they didn't pay me. I I gave this team everything. I wanted to be an Eagle. Whoa, 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 whoa. Crying his eyes out. Like he feels like he's been disrespected. Dude, you're disrespecting the team right now. Really. You're, you're supposed to be the, 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 the beacon of hope on this team. The beacon of hope. You're far from the beacon of hope. 
you're actually somebody, when I look at the field, I get physically mad watching him play football now. I like see him out there and it's like, oh my God, I just want to jump through the screen and just bash my head off his because I want to be like, dude, you have every single gift a tight end could want. You have athleticism. You did at least have athleticism. I mean, really, you was such a good route runner. He was supposed to be Wentz's security blanket. No matter what, when the receivers got hurt, we thought, okay, at the very least, he still has Zach Ertz. And now Zach Ertz is crying about his contract, which, by the way, he is pissing away. He is pissing that away. There's just no way you can justify Zach Ertz being on this team right now next season. Really, there's no possible way you could do it. He can't be on this team. If he wanted to be an Eagle so bad, he would have did what Brandon Graham did two years ago and busted his ass and said, you know what, I'm going to make them pay me. Remember, the fans already are against the general manager, right? Make, like, everybody wanted Zach Ertz to be right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, everybody's rooting for Zach Ertz. I mean, clearly. I, I, but it's just the point that Zach Ertz has now just let this contract, it has to be. It has to be that he let this contract come in because he's been horrible. He has been horrible. He is not giving max effort. He shouldn't even be playing. Truthfully, once Goddard comes back, this team, I know Peterson doesn't want to run 12 personnel exclusively, but he does that because he believes the two tight ends are better than the receivers they'd put on the field. Well, guess what? We could go back to 11 and Dallas Goddard takes Zach Ertz's reps. That's the truth. That's the best way to win. I mean, really, you're looking at this division. Like I said, I, I haven't mentioned what happened to Dak Prescott yesterday. It's completely horrific what happened to him. It sucks. He hates seeing that. Nobody, come on, I, I, if you're one of those people who gets joy out of somebody getting hurt, then you have some mental disabilities. But, I mean, it, it sucks for them. And, and no offense to the Cowboys. I mean, here's here's a spoiler. It's like you got Andy Dalton, at quarterback, but unfortunately the Bengals picked Joe Burrow number one overall because they said Andy Dalton wasn't good enough anymore. And I know he'll say, well, come on, look who he's got to throw with. Yeah, but here's the problem with Dallas right now. Their offensive line is in shambles. I know they got Ezekiel Elliott. I know they got CeeDee Lamb and, and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. They have a lot of tools, man. They, they Their team is unbelievable, the talent that they have. But, I mean, really, you look at their offensive line, they're in some trouble. They're going to have to win shootouts because their defense can't stop anybody. And I, I just don't know if Andy Dalton is going to be the guy to do it. It's Hey, good for them the one year that they finally invested in, uh, in a backup quarterback. They got a guy who's competent. And I believe if they needed Dalton to hold the ship here for six weeks, they'd be all right. But it's like he's got to hold the ship for the whole season. And... I mean, again, any logical Cowboys fan knows, man, our chance to win in the Super Bowl might have went down the river because Dak Prescott's good. He is. I know. And people, oh, God, they keep going far behind in every game, blah, blah, please. Come on. The guy's good. He's a winner. I mean, really, he, he gives everything he wants on the field there. You can't ask for more from the guy. He's a fourth-round pick. But going forward here with the Eagles, that's it. And by the way, did you notice what Dak Prescott was doing this year? That guy gave everything he had this year. He's a franchise. He's on a franchise contract. He's looking for a deal next year. And Zach Ertz, the same thing, looking for a deal, and he went the complete other way. Offensive line, it's the offensive line's clear, uh, it, it's a, a huge regression, obviously, but I mean, it, it was going to regress. I mean, you had older guys already when we won the Super Bowl. Peters didn't even play, but I mean, Vitae, you know, Wisniewski, Kelsey, Brooks, and Johnson. Here's a spoiler Brooks has been hurt. Obviously, he's not even playing this season. Johnson is hurt. He's barely playing this season. When he's out there, he's playing good, but he can't stay on the field because his ankle must be completely shattered. Then it's like, okay, Kelsey. Kelsey's, you know, he's been a constant. That's good. And luckily, because at least the center's been a constant. But the left guard, Ciamalo, I mean, we all know his ups and downs, and now he's not even playing. And Peters just. <laughs> Fell off a cliff, but again, uh, like I said, Peters was also prepared to play right guard. He wasn't preparing to play left tackle. So let's talk about left tackle. 
let's talk about what's going on at that position, right? Because we, we're watching Jordan Mailata, right? And we're all looking at Jordan Mailata and going, man, you know, Jordan Mailata might be able to play. Well, I don't know if anybody remembers the preseason, his rookie year, like where Jordan Mailata played. It was it was a big talking point where like, yo, the Eagles might have found somebody here with this seventh round pick that they picked on the rugby kid. Remember, the Eagles traded up in that round to get him. They made sure that at the end they wanted to get Jordan Mailata on this roster. They did the quote-unquote IR stash on him to make sure that he stayed on the roster because he was learning football. He was never going to be able to play as a rookie because he had never played football. You know this whole you're not ready to play thing like that they use on a bunch of guys? Well, Jordan Mailata was the actual only time that that made any sense because he had never played professional football. He never played collegiate football. This was his first football experience and he was learning how to play a position. And I remember he did so many good things that preseason where we all thought that's the left tackle of the future. So what happened the next year? The Eagles picked Andre Dillard. Oh, well, they couldn't they, they couldn't pass on Dillard. They couldn't. They, they had to go up and get him because, I mean, they couldn't believe he was still there. But, well, yeah, he was still there. That should have told you something right there in its own. But regardless, they traded up from 24 to 21 to pick Dill, uh, Dillard, and here we are. And now it's like, well, Mylotta might be the left tackle of the future. I'm like, well, no shit. I saw that freaking three years ago when anybody who watched the preseason saw this guy excelling with playing as much football as probably. He played less football at that time than I had in my life. He didn't play bitty football. This guy was a rugby player. And he was learning that, but you knew he was only going to keep getting better and better and better. So that misevaluation from the GM, you know what it cost us? It cost us a first round pick because now my Lada, let's just say, you know, barring any injuries that might happen to this guy, he's not leaving left tackle. He's not. It looks like that's his position to keep, right? So what are you going to do? You're going to try to trade Dillard because we now know Dillard, by the way, can't play the swing tackle position and it'd be a complete waste of resources if you picked a first round pick to be your swing tackle where he's only going to play in emergencies. But Dillard can't play right tackle. Remember, he said that's like writing with his left hand. So he clearly has no versatility. By the way, Jordan Mailata has played right tackle and left tackle this year. He's he, he, Jordan Mailata, who never, ever, 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 ever played football, figured out a way to play right tackle and left tackle this year when Andre Dillard couldn't do it, which should tell you a lot. When that quote came out, I knew right then and there, I go, we got a huge problem with Andre Dillard, a guy they didn't even interview. They just couldn't believe he was available, so they picked him. It's horrible. That is unbelievably horrible scouting by the general manager who is the biggest problem on this team. And like I said, we're essentially diving into it right now with him, but I will at the end of this sum up his absolutely god-awful performances, and that's kind of what we got here. But regardless, so what's going to be the play this offseason? Because if is the left tackle, you can't have Dillard on the roster because he can't play the swing tackle, so you're going to try to trade him. Okay, cool, good luck. How are we going to sell Andre Dillard? You think you're going to get a 21st overall pick for Andre Dillard? No chance in hell. So you better figure out a way how you're going to get any type of uh, value for a guy that you essentially punted a first-round pick for. So think about it. In that draft alone, you punted a first-round pick, and now you've punted a second-round pick. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Oh, and by the way, I, I do want to fall back to the wide receivers here with another pick like Rager. It did look like that guy. Who was it? What was his name yesterday? The guy who scored four touchdowns. The guy who was like 6'4". He catches everything. He's a tall athlete. He's a great athlete. Oh, Chase Claypool? Yeah. Remember, Jalen Rager, who's 5'10". You got Claypool, who's 6'4". Now, good for Claypool. He went to Pittsburgh where they know how to coach and develop wide receivers. So, obviously, that helped him. But, um... Just remember that one, too. We'll remember that one because Rager, they didn't pick Justin Jefferson. By the way, if they took Metcalf the year before, maybe the Eagles pick in this draft instead of Queen or somebody, maybe they do take Justin Jefferson. They figure out, okay, you know what? We're, we want to get an elite slot receiver. Just saying. But 
going back now to the offensive line, like I said, they're going to try to trade Dillard, I'm assuming, in the offseason. Good luck. Guy who's never really played. Uh, guy who had problems, you know what I mean? Like, uh, they're going to hope that people just read this Schefter tweet that made no sense when he got hurt, that he was having a dominant training camp. Yeah, dominant so much that people were actually thinking that maybe uh, Peters was going to have to go to left tackle long before he got hurt. Now, let's look at this. Has the defensive line gotten uh, better? Essentially, have they progressed? Have they stayed stagnant? Or have they regressed? Now, to me, I'll give it this. I'll say stagnant. I will say they've stayed stagnant. Now, guess what? Chris Long, obviously, he was a big part of what the Eagles did, and he's not on this team anymore. Josh Sweat, though, has had a pretty good season this year. Jannard Avery had a good game there the other night. Um, I look at it like this. You have Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham, has. I, I don't think he's really fallen off too much. Um, one guy who has fallen off this year is Fletcher Cox. He's, he's like jumped off a cliff. He's been horrible. Highest paid player on the team. He's doing wonders for us, right? But then I look at it and I go, Malik Jackson and Javon Hargrave are starting to you know, have some impact. So obviously the, the tackle position is a little bit better. Um, I don't know if it's Timmy Jernigan level, um, but again, um, I, I, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. And, and it states, by the way, it states stagnant, and that's with them investing. Big money deals since that Super Bowl in Brandon Graham, in Malik Jackson, in Javon Hargrave, upping Fletcher Cox, right? All that. So yeah, they stayed stagnant, but you essentially doubled the money that you had into the in, into the position group. So yeah, you stayed stagnant, but you essentially had to stay stagnant by multiplying your money to buy two. That ain't good. That's a recipe for disaster. You know what that usually affects? Um, different positions groups like linebackers where they've... To say it's a regression would be mean to the word regression. It's actually almost impossible what they've done at the linebacker spot. I thought going into this year, I thought... Well, they can't be worse because they were bad at linebacker last year. I thought they can't be worse because Bradham isn't, he's not even on, he's on a practice squad, I believe, for the Broncos now. So it's like he had a chance with the Saints. They instantly got rid of him. So you're thinking, how much worse can they be? But Grugier Hill obviously was a little bit better. I mean, he was making some plays, at least for Miami. But Nathan Gary, you thought, he's got to get a little bit better. Nope, dead wrong. Actually, considerably worse. He was bad last year. He's now the worst player I've ever seen in my life level this year. Duke Riley, can't do it. Duke Riley can't do it. They won't. They, they refuse to give Alex Singleton a real shot. They keep putting him in in these certain situations, when you, and you see him around the ball. Then you have a guy like Davion Taylor, who, like I said, third-round pick still hasn't played because he's not ready. This isn't Jordan Mailata. Davion Taylor played college football. Well, he's still learning. Well, he better learn quick because I know he can't be worse than what we got. Sean Bradley. Sean Bradley had four snaps yesterday. They were goal-line snaps, but people were like encouraged to see that he got on the box score. This, this is just, it's embarrassing what they've done at this position. The fact that Nathan Gary continually gets trotted out at linebacker. And again, I know now he's become a running joke and he's going to take the brunt of all these things. And I know not everything is his fault, but again, he's just not good at his position. And it's not his fault. We got to sit here and blame Nathan Gary. It's like people are getting mad at him because he stinks. It's like, he stinks. That's Jim Schwartz's fault. You could put anybody in there. Sign free agents. Sign guys off the street. Clearly what you have ain't working, right? His refusal to make adjustments. He just gets these man crushes on these certain guys and goes, those are the guys I'm going to roll with. Well, buddy, guess what? You keep doing that. Do it this season because I think this might be his last season as our defensive coordinator. I truthfully believe that they didn't fire him today because they have too much respect for him because they won a Super Bowl. That's got to be it. Because anybody else, like you saw the people got fired today for Atlanta and all that stuff. Like this guy should have been fired for what he did. That defensive effort that we put up against the Rams and the Steelers, the two competent teams, he should be fired. But the linebackers, obviously, like I said, it's not even discussable. Then you go and think about it like this, right? Think about it like this. Let's go to the secondary. Has the secondary, it's obvious. 
It's not even debatable. Clearly regressed. And, and here's the thing. Darius Slay is a complete, complete improvement. I know he didn't have his best game yesterday. He is the best corner the Eagles have had in a decade. It still stands true. It's not even debatable. But Avante Maddox, who I thought could play outside, I was wrong. Hand up. I thought he'd be better. He's not. Is he better than Jalen Mills? Of course he is. I'm better than Jalen Mills. Everybody listening to this is better at outside corner than Jalen Mills. And he still has the audacity, by the way, to throw his hands up in the air and wave his fingers and all that stuff. And, I'm, and hey, good on him for being confident if that makes him play better. But he stinks. He can't play outside corner. That's why he was signed to play safety. But that's on Jim Schwartz, too. Jim Schwartz not putting guys like Graylon Arnold or Elijah Riley. And I get it. He's not playing with a full deck there. This is all on the general manager as well. He let Sidney Jones go. He let Rasul Douglas go because he thought these guys were better. And they clearly weren't because those guys are uh, succeeding in their new homes. And again, that also falls on the GM or on the uh, GM, on the defensive coach because he was never giving them a chance to succeed, right? Moving forward, though. So obviously the secondary being being the the disaster that it is. It's massive regression, right? Um, Special teams. Special teams is regressed because, like, Jake Elliott just has no clutch ability. I mean, really, I get it. I didn't agree with kicking the 57-yard field goal yesterday because I had no faith, none whatsoever, that the Eagles were going to be able to stop the Steelers from going right down the field and winning the game or kicking a field goal to win the game, whatever. It was going to take a miracle for them not to win with the way that was set up. I mean, like we just said, I just went through the whole defense. They got what they wanted at any time. Ben Roethlisberger just picked us apart. But regardless, the kicker still missed the big kick. And then he's standing there, oh, God, I don't know what happened. Gee, golly. I'm like, dude, step up one time here. Make a big kick. Like, it was a 57-yard field goal. I get it. But I watched, like, a couple weeks ago, and I know it was in a dome. But regardless, I saw Bucker. Bang one from 53, they called a penalty. Bang one from 58, they called a timeout. Bang one from 58. This guy, it's like, you knew. Don't lie to me. Don't lie to yourself. Everybody with a brain knew when he stepped up to make that kick. There was no shot that Jake Elliott was making that kick. So that's on the coach and that's on the kicker because he stinks. Cameron Johnson, he's a good punter. Rick Lovato, obviously, he's a great long snapper. We've had no issues with him. But Jake Elliott, you suck. Um, Now, obviously, when we say all this, it comes down to the state of the Eagles is that they stink and that's because the GM sucks at his job. He's missed every which way. We talked about the wide receiver position. He doesn't have a clue of how to draft it. The two best receivers on the Eagles are guys that were picked up off waiver wires, essentially, because, again, you cut Greg Ward. Greg Ward was playing in the AAF last year. Travis Fulgham was close to being out of the NFL. And credit to them for finding these or for giving these guys finally the chance to play and them succeeding. I, again, I don't want to sit here and say signing Travis Fulgham off waivers and then promoting him from the act. Like, I get it. That was good stuff. But, I mean, I, I can't excuse you for missing on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and D.K. Metcalf. I can't excuse you for what might be a, a bad draft pick of Jalen Rager. Again, I don't know what I'm getting with him. But, I mean, I, I look around the league and the guys that went after him. I mean, we saw it the last two weeks. Two weeks, the last two games we played. Guys picked after Jalen Rager. Brandon Ayuk, touchdown. Chase Claypool had about 17 touchdowns yesterday. Just remember that. T. Higgins, oh, three weeks. Let's just go with three weeks. T. Higgins had two touchdowns against the Eagles. So there it is, three straight weeks. Did the Rams have any rookie receivers? No, they didn't. Thank goodness. But, oh, yeah, that's right. The Redskins had one, or Washington football team, Terry McLaurin, and we picked him. Um, We could have picked him, but we picked Artega Whiteside too. We've whiffed at that position so much. 
Now, again, I'm not writing any book on Jalen Rager. don't have anything to write yet. But I just do know that, man, that Chase Claypool, that guy is going to be a stud. And I get it. He's playing with a great quarterback, and he's in a great wide receiver building offense. But guess what? It doesn't matter, man. He had seven catches, 110 yards, and four touchdowns yesterday, three of which catching, one of which running on an end-to-a round, which the Steelers never do, but they had to do it yesterday because they just knew that the Eagles are completely incompetent on defense to do it. So the state of the Eagles is this. The head coach has been a failure this year. He just still has no feel for the game, none whatsoever. He does not feel what's going on on the football field. That field goal yesterday, that attempt was stupid. The tie, obviously, that, that'll be something that I live with for the rest of my life. Obviously, I, I like I said, I have these moments where I have to wake up in the middle of the night and drink some water because I'm literally having panic attacks over the fact that he was openly cool with tying the Cincinnati Bengals, the team that picked number one last year. And by the way, on our own home field. Like it, 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 my heart is, is trying to come out of its chest because I can't believe somebody would do that. I can't believe something like that would be real, but it is real. And that's what happened. Now, in terms of what I think will happen with him, like I said, I think his job is completely on the line. Th- th- this is unacceptable to be one, three and one through the stretch. I mean, we played two top competent teams. San Francisco was riddled with injuries riddled with injuries, so you got lucky there. They should have beaten Cincinnati, and you clearly should have beaten Washington. They're horrible. Like, by the way, you've seen Washington? They are unbelievable bad. We are like, that might be one of the worst losses in the history of the team. I mean, really, it is. It, they're, they're that bad. They're like worst team in the NFL by a lot bad. They're like, they should be 0-16 bad. They they actually pulled Dwayne Haskins. They pulled Kyle Allen then yesterday. Now they had Alex Smith in there. Bless that guy. It's an unbelievable story that he's even playing football again. So they might get a little bit better with him because he's he knows what he's doing. But regardless, like the state of the Eagles, it's not good. And the GM is definitely got to be somebody that they, they they have to. I know Jeffrey Lurie for some reason. I don't know what Howie Roseman has on him, but he'll never fire him. I, I just don't feel it. I just don't think he's going to get rid of the GM. But he needs to like, how does he accept this? How does he accept like going through the roster? Just do that. You see all the regression. And it's not just on the GM. It's on the coach too. So it's like, you're but you're cool keeping them both. What do you think is going to happen? These guys aren't turned water into wine. They've turned water into urine. That's what they've done. I mean, come on now. Do you want to win or do you not want to win? This shouldn't be happening. We won the Super Bowl three seasons ago. We're talking about this team being one of the worst teams in the NFL now. You think that's right? And by the way, Carson Wentz has played like 99% of those games since then. So it's not even like you could sit there and say, well, I mean, I get it. We have been riddled with injuries, but the the key player has been kind of there the whole time. I know at the end of 2018 season, he went away, but he played all last season, except the playoff game, which was the most important game. And he's played all this season and it ain't good. The state of the Eagles is not good. It's not. And I'm looking at a lot of these guys that are on these big deals for the Eagles and I'm thinking about ways that they're going to have to try to figure out to get out of them. Like, we got rid of Malcolm Jenkins because he was going to be an older player. That's why they didn't pay him. By the way, he'd be helping this team considerably right now because here's here's something I don't know if people are aware of. Malcolm Jenkins is better at football than Jalen Mills ever will be, and he's also better at football than Marcus Epps, and he's a little bit better still at football than Kayvon Wallace. No offense to him. That kid's a rookie. But the other guys, yeah, he's, he's just a little bit better, right? But we didn't pay him. But they did give Peters a, a raise. Fletcher Cox, I mean, I don't know what the deal is with his contract, but it hasn't been talked about at all. Nobody's talking about that one. I'm staring at it because, again, I'm a huge Fletcher Cox fan, but, I mean, really, prove me wrong, man. I I mean, I'm rooting for you. 
I think you're one of the best defensive players the Eagles ever had. Not this year, though. I mean, really, you have not impacted a game in a way that I thought you've changed the game. Like Aaron Donald, like four sacks yesterday. We talked about how good the Eagles did against him, and I'm like, come on, man. I'm, I'm trying to take Cox over. Are you kidding me? Guy had four sacks yesterday. It's like, are, are you just comfortable now, or do you want to get better? Like, I look at Aaron Donald. Dude looks like he's about to come off a muscle and fitness magazine. Every, you can tell how hard that guy works. I just don't know if anybody in the Eagles is working hard anymore, and that's what's concerning, and that comes down to the coaches. It also comes down to the GM. you got to realize sometimes, like, again, it shouldn't be that I'm paying guys and they're, and they're not trying anymore. That's not how it works. Your highest-paid players are supposed to be your best players. Right now, Wentz and Cox, those guys are question marks. That's why the team is 1-3-1. One, and one. On a personal note, what actually just grinds my gears is because yesterday's game, it means, and in the state of Pennsylvania, it's always a big game because, especially where I live in northeastern Pennsylvania, you know, we have Steelers fans and we have Eagles fans because they're the two local teams. Like CBS has the Steelers games and Fox has um, the Eagles games. So, of course, you know, my loving wife is a big Steelers fan, right? So, I mean, I give her a lot of information on the Steelers. I, I told her what the Steelers' plan was going to be. And again, if you listen to it, I, so when it comes to that team, I actually had a good idea what the Steelers were going to do because, again, in my own household, I'm kept up with the Steelers. And it just shocks me that it's like the Eagles yesterday were just unprepared for the Steelers. Yet the Steelers were just completely prepared for the Eagles. Shouldn't it be the other way around? And now for the next four years because we won't play unless we see them in the Super Bowl, which is, by the way, the Eagles getting back to the Super right, Super Bowl right now is about the same chances as me finding 11 random strangers on the street and us forming a team and going somehow into the National Football League and going to the Super Bowl. But that's besides the point is now, you know, we, we won 34-3 to a couple years ago when we played the Steelers in Philadelphia. Now, bragging rights in my own damn house, I don't have because the Philadelphia Eagles and specifically Jim Schwartz let me down. That's the current state of the Eagles. Personally, I'm hurt. Professionally, the team sucks. And Howie Roseman, he is at the center of it all. So hopefully now in, let's see here, our next couple games, we play the Ravens. That's going to be tough. You know, we play the Giants. You play the Cowboys. And I believe you play the Giants again. So after this game here with the Ravens, you get some, you know, a couple chances, right? And again, I'm not even saying like these are winnable. You don't know. I have no clue what's going to happen. But at very least, you don't go into the game thinking, man, it's going to take a miracle, right? That's, and by the way, that's the state of the Philadelphia Eagles. We are in a in a position now where we're just hoping against, you know, we don't need miracles to win against teams that are subpar. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Thanks for listening to the new norm. Go Eagles, go.